School PR professionals spend a week or two each year networking, if they're lucky. We pour into this professional development and the conversations drive us in our work. Collaboration is one of the best parts of our job, but then we go back to our daily work and the buzz of bright conversations and innovation starts to wear off. Welcome to School PR Happy Hour. We seek to create a shared space of collaboration and an opportunity to continue those conversations long after the closing sessions of our state and national conferences. We are a community, a community of communicators that lean on each other in hard times and learn from each other regularly. This podcast is about just that, getting to know each other better and sharing our passions about furthering education one story at a time. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to School PR Happy Hour. I'm Erin McCann, APR, a communications consultant in the aviation industry and a school PR veteran. I am super excited to share today's interview with you. When Justin and I started brainstorming about other industries that we could pull from to share successes, I knew that I wanted to lean on the podcast industry, particularly audio fiction. My guest today, Brian Bradley, is the writer and producer of 90 Degrees South, an audio fiction podcast that is consistently in the charts. He is an incredibly talented guy, an awesome friend, and for a little shameless plug, also my boss on his podcast. He was was nice enough to let me do a little voice acting for his show. After the break, you'll hear from a school PR pro about how we can take Brian's wisdom and directly apply that to school PR. Without further ado, let's get into it. Hey friends, we're excited to welcome back Class Intercom as our sponsor for Season 4 of School PR Happy Hour. Class Intercom is a social media management tool designed specifically for schools and districts. Class Intercom allows for social media content creation from an unlimited number of users, including students, in a safe and carefully moderated way. It also has built-in reporting and archiving all for one school-friendly price. Learn more today at classintercom.com. Brian, I'm so excited that you're here. I just, you're such a busy man and you're so busy with your show. And I'm so happy that you took the time to talk, not just to me, but to the entire school PR community. Oh, no, thank you. Thank you for having me. I am, anytime I get the chance to, you know, to, to promote the show, but even more than that, just to brag on the, you know, the, the phenomenal voice talent that we have um, I will never turn that down. So um, I am I am happy. I am honored to be here. Thank you for the invite. Absolutely. Well, I think this is going to be fun for our audience because we are very tactical with our work in PR for schools. But for the last year and a half, they've heard me like side bragging and pointing people to your show. So it'll be fun for them to get to hear directly from you. But why don't we start off by you telling us kind of just a little bit about your background and then how you made your way to the podcast industry. So I have been um, various jobs. I've worked for the I've worked for the U.S. government. Uh, worked individual and independent contracting. Um, after about mid two thousands, uh, late twenty tens, I came into um, the real estate side, the corporate real estate side of the house. Um, and so I will manage the various uh, locations that we have globally for the company that I work for. Um, so much like you know everyone else, 2020 hit, and we were, um, you know, forced to work remotely, work from home, shelter in place, and I essentially told myself, look, when I when I come out of this, I want to have a new talent, you know, a new skill set that I don't have before, and picked up a guitar, and that went horribly. 
so started you know looking into cooking and I was having fun with that but I really just wanted to create something you know that was was a story that I could entertain others not just myself and being a, a fan of uh, other drama podcasts that had come out wanted to not replicate but wanted to kind of you know enhance and try my, my hand to that as well uh, so you know reached out to a couple people who had gone through that process before asked for you know tips and, and you know tips and tricks um, you know got everything you know written down because I do like to create and to start projects that sometimes most times don't go fulfilled I said you know I'm not gonna invest in anything until I can write all of my first season 18 scripts which I did um, once I was done with that then I made some investments in technology and software and hardware and nothing overly fancy but uh, you know from there I got a lot of very quality um, talent to sign on some I had never worked with before um, and just learn from scratch how to essentially do um, and and by by no means am I am I saying that I am an expert I am learning as I go every single day but you know we, we just we, we have fun putting it out we have fun recording it we have fun um, you know discussing it figuring out what approach is the best what effects will work the best to enhance and tell the story um, it's just more than anything else we're having fun and that's in in my mind the key element in what we do is if you're not having fun it's the second job absolutely and first of all may i just commend you on being in the one percent of people who picked up something new during covid and saw it through because i am still refinishing a piece of uh, furniture that is in my garage and uh, it may remain there for a pretty long time at this point I am guilty of the same, so I cannot. Thank you. I will, I will take the compliment. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so let's walk kind of through your process because, mm -hmm. as you said, you know, the podcast industry, as you know, is highly collaborative. And mm -hmm. I found that creators are just very generous with their time and with their talent. So I think it's amazing that you were able to get those resources. But you actually, you did something pretty interesting. So you put everything down on paper first and you drafted your mm -hmm. show. Will you tell us a little bit about the show? Because I'm hoping you have several hundred new followers after this episode airs. <laughs> oh, that'd be wonderful. Um, so the show itself, it's called 90 Degrees South. It is, it's in a setting where no one, to my knowledge, has done any any podcast, drama podcast, uh, and that's Antarctica, uh, specifically at the Edmundson Scott Research Base at the geographic South Pole. Um, it is a murder mystery. There is an event that took place during the uh, winter months when the station is 100% inaccessible. So they have to wait till the summer season comes around. Um, the U.S. Marshals come, a U.S. Marshal comes in to start the investigation and finds that the station, not only having a murderer on site, um, has a, a lot of really unusual, unexplained events that the locals just consider it to be, you know, what they would call a Tuesday. <laughs> um, so it, it has a comedy element. It definitely has a drama element, a, a crime element. Um, and I've, I've blended those together, drawing from a lot of the genres that I love growing up, you know, watching on, on you know, TV, the cinema, what have you. Um, again, trying to make something that is uniquely my own, but I will not, you know, split hairs. I definitely do draw from inspiration. The aforementioned podcast, uh, King Falls. Uh, I draw from there. Twin Peaks is a huge, uh, has a huge part of my show. MASH, um, there are so many references and allusions to MASH. It's it, growing up, that's what my family, my uncle, all my uncles, my, my, my family, all military. 
Um, so, but that was the one show we could all watch together. So I have so many references to MASH. Um, and it, it's funny because I'll be talking to some of the other uh, actors, the voice actors, and a lot of our voice actors are younger individuals, younger people, and they don't understand the references. So right. sometimes <laughs> we, we, we can feel a little bit dated by what we're putting in there. But again, it's just, we have fun. So, um, but yeah, that's that's essentially what the show is, what it's about. We are about to start our second season in a couple of months, uh, December, late December. Um, but yeah, we, we hope that this is able to keep on going for quite some time. So in PR, we have something that we use for all of our campaigns and that's called the four-step planning process. And mm -hmm. even though you may not know that terminology, what you're talking through right now is exactly that. So I think it's perfectly applicable and you start with your research, right? So you've got yes. your inspiration, you've drawn from that. Now we're in the planning phase. So you've got your scripts down on paper. You've made an investment in your technology. What do you do next to produce a show? So, and, and to your point, so I, I definitely wanted to make sure because it is at a science research station, I wanted to not just talk, you know, techno babble. I wanted it to have some mm -hmm. basis in reality. So, you know, definitely drafting the show, critiquing the show internally, making sure that all of the references make sense. I've researched, you know, life on the station, radio frequencies that they use. So a lot of that is, is, is quality control. Um, once we get the story to where we want it to be, I will break up each episode to the individual acts or scenes, and that will tell me which voice actors I need to schedule for based upon who's on the scene. So because all of our voice actors have their regular job, everyone, to your point, um, are volunteering their time. So I will find blocks of time where I can get the most actors at one time, not going, you know, intense, maybe four or five scenes total. Um, and we'll schedule that over the courses of the week. And of course, just recently we had one, a, a session where someone could not attend life, you know, as it will, life got in the way. So we just wait till we can get everyone. Once I get the raw data, I'll go into the studio, which is where I'm sitting right now and begin editing the episode, make sure the vocals are correct. If, if the two individuals were not recording together at the same time, same day, try to make sure that the conversation flows back and forth, put in the background vocal, or the background, excuse me, uh, special effects and the ambience. Um, background music for the first season, we had music scattered here or there. We're going a lot heavier on the music in, in season two. Um, but I wanna make sure that the, the scene that we're recording and that I'm editing, the music matches that. So definitely if it's a, a dramatic, a tense thing, I need dramatic, tense, I need orchestral, I need, uh, you know, something, you know, grandiose, a lot of, you know, snare. I just want to make sure that the mood fits the music, fits the story. So it's a lot of, um, you could call it, I guess, a smorgasbord of flavors that you get at one table. Um, hopefully I put everything together in the proper, you know, recipe and ingredient quantities. Well, I love this because a lot of the people who will be listening to our interview today, mm -hmm. they're doing podcasts in their district, but that's a very different style because you're really, as you said, really putting together all these kind of layering, all these different sounds. It's highly produced. A lot of what our schools are doing are kind of more raw audio and raw sounds, but there's definitely an asset to being able to heavily produce as well. In schools and it just in PR in general, when you have an event and you need someone to speak, it's not always the person who's like the president of the company or the superintendent. It's about finding the right voice 
to go out and convey that message. So you have a ton of characters in your podcast. How did you go out and find the right voices and the right matching for your voice talent? Well, it, it's so I have, as I'm writing each character, I have in my head what I believe that they should sound like. I have, you know, a, a archetype, if you will, that I try to replicate. Now, as I'm going out, um, I just happen to, to look upon um, one of the voice actors, uh, Trent Shumway, who can just do a multitude of male voices, accents, uh, you know, dialogue is just you know we we call him you know the 21st century male blank he can just he has all these different voices but for you know the non-binary characters or the uh, feminine characters i wanted to make sure that there was a uniqueness so that every character has their own distinct voice and we've been very fortunate in the the cast that has been assembled everyone uh, again even though it is it is you know uh voluntary Everyone is putting their whole heart and soul into the production, uh, and I, I could not ask for a better a better crew. Um, it's it's the stars aligned in a very great way for us, and we were able to communicate a message, communicate a story. We we're actually able to entertain, which you know I know some shows are informative, some are drama, some are um, you know it could be explainers. But to hold the audience's attention, I think, is no matter what forum you are working at, that is the end goal, is to hold the attention of whomever your audience is. So that is, I think, fundamentally one of the areas where, regardless of it's of it drama or educational, that goal will remain the same across the spectrum. Well, and it's kind of one of those things, right? If you've worked in any realm of creative creation, I don't think creative creation is a thing my my producing partner is going to laugh when he listens to this interview because I sound like an idiot. But when you are creating, you just kind of know. It's like that sixth sense when everything lines up and you're like, wow, like this fits or this person's right or it's all coming together. Are you finding that as you produce this show too? Like, wow, that was just like a really solid take. Yeah, no, without a doubt. Um, I have also, and again, I don't want to sound boastful or prideful. I have... Uh, uh, relied upon my voice actors as we're recording if they have an idea that they want to bring up I am not married to what is on the page if they have an idea and they just want to you know sandbox it right there in the moment I am always open to that and in fact those have been some of the instances where some of our best not only just comedic gold but drama gold has come from it's just that unscripted just off the cuff you know the the actor once they understood the character that they're portraying, but also able to inject a lot of themselves into it, are, are able to make it just, you know, something of themselves that they can, they can you know, leverage. It's worked out great on, on many an occasion. What are some of the unexpected lessons that you've learned in the creation of this podcast? Uh, you know, definitely when you have, you know, the majority of your cast being on one side of the country and you are three time zones away, <laughs> scheduling can be a little bit difficult. Um, again, everyone has their own uh, regular day job. So none of us um, are doing this as their primary job. So we have to juggle that. So it's time, you know, commitments, definitely that's a juggle. Scheduling is a juggle. The time zone is a juggle. Um, there have been several instances where there have been, there have been technical glitches. Um, coming into this uh, without any experience, I have been learning on the cuff. Um, 
a couple of times we've had just technical difficulties. Some of them we've been able to recover from. Some of them I had to go back and just re-record. Um, it's been it's been an interesting trip to get from where we started to where we are. And again, I have so much more to learn. Um, it's going to be an ongoing education process throughout the throughout the journey. So when this episode drops, it's going to be mid-November. That gives our listeners a little bit over a month to get all caught up on season one before season two of your show launches mm -hmm. at the end of December. Do you have any um, not so spoilery spoilers that won't give anything away that you want to you want to share? Because I have a feeling the voice actors on your show might tune in once they know you did this interview too. It, potentially, potentially. <laughs> so. Um, I definitely believe we will be taking things from where we left them in season one and we will be jumping right back in in season two um, because of the lessons learned, not just from the storytelling, but from the editing perspective. We're trying to, to you know, create a much more immersive environment for the listener than in season one. Um, there will be heartstrings that are tugged. There will be people who um, are really going to not be happy. They're not going to be happy with us, but it's only because they, <laughs> they are invested in many of the characters. And when we get that emotional response, we are doing our jobs because we told the story to enlist that. Um, I will say, without spoiling anything, you, everyone can expect at the end of season two, there will be a major, major, big revelation that we have been growing, building towards uh, this whole time. And the end of season two um, will unlock so many storylines that we have been working on for season three and beyond. So definitely looking forward, A, to recording those, uh, you know, 16, 17, and 18, which will be a three-part episode uh, but then getting everyone's response once those come out and just if they suspected what we have been leading to and when the reveal happens. I mean, be surprised when we offline here and I start begging for additional details. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will be happy to uh, listen to the requests. Yeah, right. I used to have a CFO that would say every time I asked him for anything, he would say, that has been heard and considered. And it meant no, every time it meant yeah. no. <laughs> well, awesome, Brian, this has been fabulous. And all of our guests, we like to kind of wrap up this segment by, since we all work in schools in this industry for this podcast, we like mm -hmm. to ask everyone about an educator who either influenced your life or sort of changed your career trajectory to tie it back to the reason that everybody works in schools in the first place. Uh, government teacher, high school, Mr. Clark, uh, Doug Clark, and he's not with us anymore. Um, he was, is one of my favorite teachers of all time. He taught gov U.S. government and history, but he made it so interesting and a subject that is and can be just very routine and dull and and formulaic. He would weave every story, every telling into you know a specific narrative. We would have, um, he would keep us engrossed and entertained. You know, on at the end of the week with a quiz, uh, not not a, a written quiz, more like a, a trivia game based upon what we had learned over the course of the week. And then, but he would also throw in uh, current events. He would throw in, you know, pop culture. He'd throw in music, sports, so that it was, you know, what we all loved, but also what he was teaching. Funny, I'll, I'll keep it very brief. So 
um, every so often we'd have a, a student aide come in, knock on the door, he'd open the door, they'd have a note, you know, someone, you know, at the front desk or someone in the front office wanted to see a student. And this is back before you know, we had the paper notes that said, this individual, please come to the office. So he would take that, thank the student, he'd start at the line, we all sat in perfect lined rows in the wood desk with the multicolored plastic chair. Of course. He'd look at the, he'd look at the note, he'd look at the student, go to the next one, look at the note, look at the student and he would go up and down he would pass the individual it was for look at two more individuals stop turn go to the student say you the authorities wish to speak to you gather your belongings you you won't be returning oh my gosh <laughs> oh and we would bust a gut and after like the third or fourth time but he had several routines that this would work for so it was always something new it was only after he'd used up his repertoire, he would go back to use the old stuff. But <laughs> he he was just so inspiring. And for as much as a goof off as I was, he is the one teacher um, that I still remember. And I wish he were around so I could, I could stop by my alma mater, shake his hand and just thank him for investing the time in this knucklehead. Um, because he made a lasting impression. I mean, a good teacher makes all the difference. And it's funny because what I kept thinking about as you were telling that story is whether he knew it or not, whether it was intentional or not, he was teaching you through storytelling. And that is yes. what you ended up doing was the creation of stories. So I would say that did mm -hmm. make a profound Im impact on your life. Oh, I agree. Well, Brian, this has been just an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you again for, for inviting me. I've had a blast today. Fantastic. We've all heard the headlines about districts being short, bus drivers, teachers, paraprofessionals, and so many other vital roles that keep our districts moving. If you don't have a staff recruitment strategy, now is the time to develop one. My name is Coley Ferringer, and I am the Director of Communication Services here at CISO Communications. And this is your CISO top tip for this episode. I'm sure you've heard of all the basic staff recruitment tips, like sharing stories and testimonials of specific positions. And I'm gonna ask you one big question, one that we think can make the biggest impact on your staff recruitment efforts. What does your application experience look like and how can you improve it to make it easier for potential employees to apply? Many districts have antiquated application portals and ask applicants to jump through many hoops. I urge you to work with your human resources team to simplify the process and to think about ways you might be able to personalize the experience. One of my favorite examples of personalization was a district CISO worked with that did virtual open houses. Potential employees visited a portal with your typical information like benefits and pay, but then they also had a chance to go into a breakout room and talk with current teachers, ask them questions, and make a personal connection. Then their HR team scheduled virtual interviews where they offered on-the-spot job offers for some positions. This is just one great example of being intentional about making personal connections with potential employees and thinking about the end user versus how the hiring process typically happens. Here at CISO Communications, we love to help districts rethink their staff recruitment strategy. For more information on CISO Communications, visit thecso.com or follow us on our social channels at CISOcom. Let us help you rethink possible. Welcome back, friends. As you know, this is the What Can We Learn From series. So the back half of today's episode will be a fun talk about school PR takeaways from the interview Aaron did with Brian from 90 Degrees South. 
Today I'm bringing back a good friend, my travel buddy, and someone with a little bit of experience in the performing arts to dissect this interview a little bit. So please welcome in two-time guest here on School PR Happy Hour, David O. How's it going? What's up, buddy? Not much. How are you, Justin? Doing good? I'm doing okay. Awesome. So you do have a little bit of background in theater and helping out in your districts with theater production. So talk to me a little bit about that experience briefly, just what you've done in the theater and stuff. Yeah, so it actually was my like my original calling. Uh, right after high school, I thought I was going to be a theater teacher. Um, and so I spent almost 10 years in tech theater for high school before coming to school PR. Um, and over that time did, um, it in college, did the work full time in high school for it, and then did some internships, um, for performing arts theater we have here in town. Still stay a little involved with it now, um, through volunteering at our historic Egyptian theater that's in the next town over. Oh, awesome. So, so this was a, uh, a fun conversation for me to listen to, um, you know, we both are doing similar jobs. I'm not exactly in a district anymore, but I am handling campaigns and handling projects on a daily basis. But um, sometimes we don't get the creativity freedom, the creative freedom, I guess you could say, to, to just jump into an idea and do really like whatever the heck we want to do. Uh, we, have, we have handcuffs. We have limitations on what we can and can't do. But it was fun to listen to someone who basically had the entire creative process they could go through without any limits. And of course, I had a couple takeaways. You listened to Aaron and Brian's interview earlier today. And this is, I mean, we literally, we listened to it and we're here about 20 minutes later and we're just going to have a, a conversation about it. So let's just start with, talk to me a little bit about one of your thoughts or one of your takeaways that you got from that interview. So he kind of talked about at the beginning how he started the process and um, how he wrote the entire season one before actually kind of recording it. So I wrote down, you know, put everything down on paper first. And I, and that like really struck a chord with me lately. Um, because I feel like we're so intertwined into digital and we spend so much time on our computers that sometimes we lose focus. Um, so this is something I've actually started doing myself is just starting to put everything down on paper. Just yesterday, I did a brain dump, a work brain dump, and it was two pages of just things that I just needed to get done first. So you know, as we look at the RPI process and do our research, do your research on paper and get out a piece of paper, write down your notes. If you're working on a project, write down the steps you're doing it, storyboard it, process flow it, just get it out of your head. I think uh, sometimes when we stick to the computer, it doesn't always get out of our head because, you know, our brain and our fingers are just going 90 miles an hour to get it done. So I found that a really helpful uh, kind of first tip to how he started his process. So are you a person that, like, do you have ideas at random times of the day? Like you wake up in the middle of the night and you've popped an idea and you need to write it down or you'll forget it? Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> it's very dangerous. It is. It's horrible. <laughs> I recently <laughs> bought a wallet. It's a, like, it's my, like, we're talking about watching Yellowstone. It's my cowboy wallet now. It's one of those big, tall bifolds, but it's only because it'll fit field notes journal inside of it mm -hmm. so that and it comes with a pen and every like i bought it and my wife who obviously you're good friends with she was like this is dumb why do you why do you need a journalist travel wallet and i'm like because i have ideas and sometimes i'm in traffic driving to work or you know at a coffee shop and i hear somebody say something i gotta write it down so i'm big on i mean no one can see the video but there's post-it notes all over this desk and <laughs> 
I said, I've seen this wall wallet. And I at first was like, that's kind of weird. That's a pretty large wallet to carry around. So like, I would rather that I rarely carry a wallet. Everything's on my phone. because that's my ID. But I do really like your wallet and have contemplated. I'm pretty sure I've texted you a few times. Be like, what was that link again? Um, but it's just nice to write it down. Yeah. I, I uh, you know, it's not as overwhelming. The other day I was looking through my Safari tabs and I had 150 tabs on my phone. I'm just like, what is going on? So one of the takeaways I had from that, uh, the same point you did is, you know, he talked about, he got everything down on paper. He had the whole story figured out before he even picked up a microphone, started recording, started even looking for actors. And um, I think it that's really important for us as school PR people because things happen on a daily basis for us and we can dive in and write a story, share it on social, and there could be no strategic reason for doing this other than it's a pretty picture and it's a cool story about students. Um, I think starting with the end in mind is always a smart route in any communication that we're doing or communications in general because what's the intended outcome we want? And having you know, worked for, for Julie and working now with Julie again, it's still that same thing I've said for four seasons. It's how does this align with the, st the strategic plan or how does this align with the end game? What's the end game? What, how are we going to get there? So I thought that that was a great school PR takeaway there that, you know, get it all out on paper, but then really what's the goal of this campaign, this story series or whatnot. So that one was one I walked away with. I really enjoyed that one for sure. I uh, also, could not agree more. I was recently in a meeting with our HR director and we were talking about job fairs and she was going over what she wanted for um, how we could assist with her. And one of the things she came up with is she wanted a way for people to submit resumes at a job fair straight to us. And so I said, okay, that's a cool idea. I said, we could maybe do a form where they could do it, or maybe they could text us and then text it would text back asking someone to upload it that way. But I said, what are we going to do with all these resumes? Like them sitting in a Google drive folder does, does nothing for us. We have to be able to kind of use them in the future. So I told her, I said, think on that some more, I'll come back. And then let's start at the end of the process. The end of the process is them submitting their application. Let's work backwards and kind of process out you know, job fair, straight application, um, word of the mouth, you know, how are we going to kind of view all these different ways that people can submit to us? So I found, think that's going to help her in the long run because I could have just created a form right then and there and said, here you go. But what was the end goal of that going to do? And taking a look at the, the user journey of an applicant, because for some reason, the application process is still stuck in like the late 80s. And, uh, and like, Hey, here, submit your resume, but also type in everything you've ever done from that resume into this form. Yep. Like we all need to take a step back and look at the user journey for, for getting a job in your district because, um, we're short on people yep. and we definitely need to find a way to make it easy to apply and make people want to be Correct. there. And by thinking of the end is we want to get great teachers, bus drivers, janitors, Let's go back to step one. How do we keep them happy the yep. whole time, get them through the process and get them into the classroom where they're teaching people? I said, actually did that uh, in my last district. We were doing a bus driver recruitment campaign. And uh, part of my research was filling out a job application for a bus driver. And I was truly amazed 
at some of the questions it asked and how like no bus, like they weren't applicable to a bus driver in any capacity. It was, you know, how will you use technology in your classroom? That a bus driver is not going to be able to answer that question. Um, so make sure you're reviewing those. My, my bus has a horn. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so make sure you're checking the processes. Uh, because I think a lot of us use these kind of standard templates for a lot of things and they're very tailored towards teachers and teachers may only account for 50% of our workforce. So in this conversation, he brought up something that, um, that I am pretty passionate about is like finding the right voice and how representation matters in these kind of projects. Um, I think it's important to, Anytime, whether it's a video or written piece, you know, if we get, if, if I have somebody who's like, Hey, I need a flyer, I immediately look at it and say, first off, is this a flyer or does it need to be a video? Is it a visual story? If we need to go to a video or a podcast style, but more importantly, is there someone who can tell this story better than me? And if there is, that person needs to be the one to do it. So I need to just get out of the way and use my technology and use my abilities to let them tell their story in a creative way. And I think that, you know, his focus on making sure that the non-binary characters or the female characters, male characters or mythical characters, whatever all was in there, all have their own unique voice and their own representation. I feel like that is something that obviously over the last couple of years with everything that's gone on in our country and in education as a whole, that has been brought forward in more ways, more beautiful ways, in my opinion, than it has in years since I started school PR. So that was something that he said. I was like, Oh, write that down. That's one I want to hold on to. Cause in the podcast world, it's the same. That's something that's very similar. Like we have to be intentional about making sure that we're representing our communities and giving people their unique voices. I think a uh, very easy way to apply that to our profession is the person making the request isn't always the one making the decision on how to implement it. So great example. Some com someone comes to us and says, I need a flyer for this. Do they actually need a flyer? Or is this more of an email campaign? Or is this going to be more of a social? Um, we're the experts in our field. Um, so it's our place to kind of encourage them for other ways. And just because we've always done a flyer doesn't mean we need to continue to do a flyer. There could be other ways to adapt that. So finding, finding the communications voice through what medium to communicate it with. So did you, uh, did you have any other takeaways from the conversation we listened to of Aaron and Brian? I did. Uh, Aaron uh, coined this new phrase that uh, I think we're both not familiar with. So I'm hoping Aaron will come back and tell us more on what creative creation is. Um, is that a fancy word for a podcast? Yeah, I'm going to schedule her an episode in the second half of this season that we're, we're going to bring in all the uh, creative creation experts from around the country and have them have a roundtable with Aaron on this topic so that we can make sure that we're honing our skills on creative creation. I think that's perfect. I cannot wait for Aaron to uh, report back to us and what she finds because um, <laughs> I'm super interested in this new concept that she came up with. So obviously before we go and before we get out of here today, um, you know, these episodes are a little different. We're used to about an, about 45 minutes of one conversation. So we take two conversations, cut them in half. And, uh, first off, I appreciate you joining me. I know it was short notice. I hit you up and was like, Hey, I need help holler. And you watched it on your big screen in the living room. And then you're like, let's go do this. Um, but there are a lot of people that listen to this show 
and a lot of people that um, that was just a humble brag right there. I'm changing subjects. So just a lot of people <laughs> listen to my show, but uh, <laughs> not Aaron's show, just Justin. <laughs> they listen to the show because uh, we're friends. We're friends from Inspira. We're friends from Teespra. We're friends from around the country, like people like that. And people follow. They're friends with us on social media. You, me, every Aaron, everybody. Um, and there's a lot of listeners that have followed a recent journey that me and you went on when we decided for my 40th birthday to go to the mountains. The people who were probably least prepared to go to the mountains went to the mountains. And um, mm-hmm. uh, two sentences, I'll tell the story. Uh, we're a quarter of a mile from the car. We can probably see the car from where we're eating lunch. David's foot slips in a hole, breaks his leg, and there was almost a helicopter in play to get him out. So we don't need that story. I just want to do a checkup, see how you're doing, <laughs> see what, you know, like milestones you've passed in your recovery, and also what's your idea for our next trip? Where should we go next and stay healthy? Well, um, for clarification, we did not choose to go hiking. Justin chose to go hiking. David said he'd tag along. Not really my thing. Lesson learned really hard. Um, recovery has been an interesting journey. Um, I never thought I'd fly home with a half broken, actually a fully broken ankle. Um, but I made it through security in a wheelchair. That was fun. Um, I then got to spend two weeks at home until my surgery. Um, so I got to repeat a little March 2020 all over again because I was isolated during surgery, uh, during recovery, because uh, I live on the second floor and I couldn't do stairs unsupervised. So, um, fortunately, we are now, I think we're eight weeks in surgery now. Um, I am back to walking. I do miss my new knee rover, though. Those were some fun days. Um, so yeah, it has been an interesting recovery. It really opens uh, my perspective to um, how inaccessible our world is for yeah. people uh, who have mobility issues. Um, so it's uh, it's been good, but slowly, slowly getting there, slowly getting back to fully recovered. So even through that experience of, you know, <laughs> breaking your leg, unfortunately, <laughs> even after oh, that, and when we ankle. Ankle, sorry, ankle, ankle. And, yeah. and getting awarded by my surgeon as the worst ankle fracture he has ever had and taking a two-hour surgery and making it four hours so yes quite, hey, quite the breakage we did there we should, we should make you a we should get you a plaque for that <laughs> uh, we should so even through all that when we were hanging out the house while you were still sitting on the couch with a busted leg a busted ankle you were saying, guys, I want to do this again. Once I'm better, we're doing this again. I don't know where it is. We're doing this again. So I am just excited that you weren't completely like, man, screw you guys. I'm out. <laughs> so we're putting it on the, the show right now that we will do another trip and we will Instagram it like we did this one, but we won't. We did a good job of hiding what happened until you were ready to, to, uh, to let it go. So, uh, Thank you for going on my 40th birthday trip. I'm sorry it worked out the way it did. <laughs> but also, hey, I appreciate it, uh, you. Go ahead. No, it, uh, I got a great experience, and I got a few days away from home, which is what I really needed um, at that time of the year. 
Well, I appreciate you being there, and then I'm sorry what happened happened, but I also appreciate you being here uh, today and helping me out with this. We're uh, this is this series is one that we came up with in conversations before the season started, and uh, we've got some pretty cool stuff lined up for the second half of the season. We've so well, David, thank you so much for joining me, and thanks for coming on and hanging out and uh, and speedy recovery so we can head off into the wilderness and find a new hiking trail to go down that's further <laughs> away from our car. There you have it, another episode of School PR Happy Hour. We plan to bring you a few more of these what can we learn from episodes throughout the second half of this season. If you have an idea or topic for an episode, please connect with us over on Twitter at SPR Happy Hour. As always, we want to thank our friends at Class Intercom and CISO Communications for supporting this show. And as Aaron always says, let's go out and try to be a little better at our jobs every day.